I think all of us like to be noticed for good. We all like attention. And um, it's, it's, it, I believe it is the way that God created us. And because of that, that there is sort of this natural uh, part in us that wants to be seen, wants to be recognized, wants to be known, that is natural because I think what it does is it provides a hole in our heart that we're always wanting somebody to notice me. And God is constantly calling out saying, I know you, I recognize you, I want you. And yet we are like, no, but not you. I want it from them. I want them to recognize me. I want them to, to, to see me, right? And that's uh, something that we battle with, that we like to be honored, that we, we have something in us. There's that self. I want me to be seen. In fact, um, if you listen to some of the things going around in our society today, people say, I want to be identified as. You see, that's my identity. I want to be recognized as. I need this. See, this is how I want to be seen by you. I want you to specify me. Um, but God has put boundaries on, on this self-recognition, on, on wanting to be desired. God has put boundaries to say, yes, that desire to be recognized, focus that on me. Focus that on me. Because I will give you all the attention that you want, all and more, more than you could ever imagine. But put it in the right boundaries, put it in the right perspective, and that's going to help you in this life. Because what happens is inevitably people let us down. Anybody ever been hurt by a friend? Everybody ever been uh, talked bad about? Anybody ever been stabbed in the back? Everybody ever just been ignored by people that you once loved and cared about? People are like, my, my mom doesn't say anything to me. I was talking to one guy and, and he was saying, um, he's like, do you love me? I'm like, yeah, of course I love you, you know? And, he, and I was like, you, you, you're acting like you haven't heard that, you know? And he goes, I haven't. So it's been years since somebody has told me that they love me. Are we recognized by even our own parents? And if we're not, then that causes a lot of pain. It causes a lot of heartache. And we start to deal with it in a way that God doesn't want us to deal with it. He's like, you're looking in all the wrong places. There was an old country song. You're looking for love in all the wrong places, right? You're looking for love all out here with all these other guys. Where's the true love? The one that really matters is God. He's the one who wants to love you, to recognize you, to, to give you the attention that you need. So in Matthew chapter 23, we're going to see how there's a group of people called the Pharisees, and they failed in this area. And we want to learn from what God has written in Scripture of, look at me. Let's think about this, because in reality, there's three main sins. Lust of the eyes, I love to look at things, but not always good. Lust of the flesh, I love to satisfy my body and how things feel, but it's not always good. And the pride of life, pride of life is getting my ego stroke. You see, pride of life is 
recognizing me, getting trophies, getting awards, getting called out. Hey, you sit up here. Hey, you get invited to my party, but not you. You know, all these things that, that, that we want to be recognized, but it falls under the pride of life. I deserve it. I deserve to be recognized. How come they get the attention and I, they, and, and I don't? How come they got the promotion and I didn't? How come they get this and I don't? Right? I mean, it's this constant seeking for approval. Well, let's think about this, this uh, what's going on in, uh, before we get to the actual text. This is the last week before Jesus dies. Jesus is going to be crucified on a Friday, and this is most likely on a Tuesday. So just a couple of days before this, and Jesus has made his way into Jerusalem. And man, he comes in on Sunday. People, some people will call it Palm Sunday because he's riding in on a donkey. And people are like, man, the king has arrived. And they're, put, they're cutting palm branches and putting it down before him, taking off their jackets, putting it down before him. Hail the king, the Messiah, the prophesied one. Hosanna in the highest. Here he comes. He's going to kick out the Romans. Finally. By the end of the week, they're crying, crucify, crucify him. Well, what does Jesus do from Sunday to Thursday that they're ready to kill him, right? Basically, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, he's going to tell them several parables about uh, confronting them on how God has been sending them prophets, servants, people warning them, trying to get them to follow his son, accept the son. And everybody keeps rejecting the Son. If you were here for Bible class, I want to encourage you guys, please try to make that because it helps. We went over the eight woes or the kind of condemnations. Jesus was calling out all of these Pharisees uh, in verses 13 all the way down through verse 36. So this is, this is the first part of that for those of you that were in Bible class. Let's look at verse 23. Uh, chapter 23, verse 1. What Jesus is going to do here is he's trying to have these Sadducees, scribes, Pharisees, not Sadducees, but scribes and Pharisees, and, um, and he's, he's going to say, you guys have been the religious leaders of the Jews. You guys are the ones who write out the Bible, you teach it. Because remember, you guys... Does everybody have a Bible? I mean, if, if you don't, you can get it on your phone for free. You can actually get about 20 or 30 versions of the Bible on your phone for free. Um, in our society, everybody has a Bible. In their society, hardly anybody had a Bible. It was very rare. So basically, you would come to the synagogue, like a church building, and you had to really pay attention. Because when they read the Word of God to you, that was the only time that you would basically get it. Now, you might get a few scraps, pieces of paper, and try to, if you knew how to read and write, you would write that down and try to memorize it throughout the week. But to have a whole Bible, that was rare, right? So you would really pay attention and you would really try to concentrate and sometimes memorize the, the, the Word of God so that it would stay with you all week, even if I didn't have the written scriptures. These scribes and Pharisees, Jesus says they put themselves 
they, in verse, uh, verse 1, it says, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. You see, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, they were written by Moses. And so what would happen is when they teach the law, they taught the, 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 the writings of Moses, it was the scribes and the Pharisees, what we would think of them as preachers. That was the preachers. And so Jesus is saying that, that you guys need to understand who these guys are. Now, for those of you here, real quickly, um, the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they were the religious leaders, but they also dressed different to make sure that you knew who they were. And uh, they were the ones who were the teachers. And notice what Jesus says in verse 3. He says, therefore, all that they do. Well, let me back up. Let me back up. Sorry. This is, this is something I wanted to bring up. Go back to verse 1. See how Jesus says he spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Don't, don't miss out on this point because I think it's interesting. I don't know if your families do this, but it seems like it happens on the res quite frequently. The kid is sitting right here. And you're talking to the people over here and they'll be like, Aaliyah, she's like this. Aaliyah, she's the one that really needs to go and do this. Aaliyah, and sort of sitting there like, I'm right here, you know. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have had that where people talk about you but they're talking to the crowd over here. That sometimes I've I've seen that happen where they'll they're they're telling you, but in reality they're they're talking about these people. It seems like the scribes and the Pharisees and all of these preachers are all in this big group, but there's also all these other Jews and Jesus' disciples. So yes, the scribes and the Pharisees are there, but it, this says in verse 1 that Jesus spoke to who? He was speaking to the crowds and to, the, to the, his disciples. But who is he talking about? The Pharisees. They are in the crowd. They're right there. So he's like looking at the crowd and these guys are like, all right here. Can he, who's this? Right? So I wanted you guys to see that because you got to imagine how would you feel if somebody is calling out all of your sins in front of a big old group of people? Like they're telling all of you what you've been doing. You just stand over here while I tell everybody else all of your sins. Is that going to make you feel very good? Wonder why they want to kill him and by the end of the week they do have him crucified. Right? So... Don't, I didn't want you to miss that point. And uh, so notice how he's, Jesus is telling all the people, he says, these guys over here, the Pharisees, they seat themselves at the chair of Moses, kind of the preachers and the authorities in the religious world. Verse 3, Jesus tells the people and the disciples, therefore, all that they tell you, what they say that comes from the word of God, the one that comes from the Bible, you do it. Do it and obey it. But, 
do not do according to their deeds. So Jesus is basically saying, do as they say, don't do as they do. Because when you looked at those preachers and the Pharisees throughout the week, you'd say, that, I didn't think that's how God wanted us to act. So which one do I follow? What they're teaching or the way they act? You see, and Jesus is saying, what they tell you to do from the word of God, yes, do that, but don't do as they do. Don't follow their bad example is, is what he's saying. Again, I don't know if you guys had parents like that, but they would sit there and do something. Maybe they were cursing away and say, hey, sonny boy, you know, I may do this, but you don't do this. Or they're sitting there drinking and, hey, I might do this, but you don't do this. You know, people will, will do that kind of stuff all the time, right? You, you do, do what I say, what I'm teaching you, but not as I do. Well, that doesn't really work out too good, does it? We, we tend to follow examples a lot. We tend to follow people's examples. So Jesus is, is giving the people instructions. Hey, when they're preaching the word of God, you listen and do it. But don't do what they are doing. So that's our first point. Do as they say, not as they do. And that's hard because these guys were highly respected. That's their preacher. And this happens, this is a call out for us, that as preachers, hopefully we're walking the talk. As preachers, I hope that Darren, you know, he spent all day with me yesterday at the, the, the river, you know, going home and telling his wife, like, he's way different, man, just way different guy. What, he, what you see up there on the pulpit, that's not him, right? That wouldn't be good. That wouldn't be good. Right. If my kids are seeing a completely different type of person, my wife is getting beat at home or, you know, there's all kinds of things that are going on at home. But I'll teach you guys one way. But we go home and it's completely different. That's destructive. Right. And later, Jesus will call them hypocrites. He'll call them hypocrites. That's not the way it's supposed to be. So this is a warning for today's preachers to walk the talk, but it's also a warning to everybody else that they're, that we've got to be careful that sometimes we want to go after the highly respected, the famous preachers, the ones that are on TV, but they could be false teachers. They could be people that are behind the scenes are living in a way that is completely false, teaching completely false. Am I paying attention? Because Jesus was warning those people. He's like, don't just follow them because they're up there. You pay attention to, to, to the way they behave. So does it line up? Make sure that it's true. Um, so everybody has, has to pay attention. Um, and this is why in Matthew chapter 5, I put it in your notes, but in Matthew chapter 5 in verse 20, um, he's, he's going to, to tell them basically... Um, If you want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness needs to go beyond the Pharisees. And you're like, wait, how is that possible? He's like, well, you've heard that it is said from the Bible that you should not murder. But I say to you, whoever's angry with the person in their heart, they can be just as guilty of murder. You have heard from the Bible that you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, 
Whoever lusts for a woman in his heart is guilty of adultery. You see, what Jesus was doing is he was saying, these guys are teaching you this law, and these Pharisees are like, hey man, I'm not, I'm not committing adultery. But yet in their hearts, they are lusting after women all the time. He's like, that's, that's not the way this kingdom is set up. That's not how this works. And so that's why Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is so similar to what he's calling them out to say, listen, this is exactly what you guys are doing. Go back to verse, go back to verse 4. It says that these guys, one of the things that they do is in verse 4 is they will tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. You know, we're good at telling everybody else what to do. And there's examples in the Bible where this is what the Word of God says. Like, yeah, there's boundaries. But the Pharisees were putting extra boundaries, setting extra laws. Like there, there was freedoms. Like Jesus was saying, you guys have the freedom to do this. And the Pharisees were saying, no, you don't. You don't have that freedom. And so, for, for an example, um, the, the apostles were going through, they were hungry and they were eating the grain off, and it says they were eating it. And the Pharisees accused them and said, you guys are sinning. So, here's the Pharisees. They're like, you guys are sinning. And Jesus corrects them and says, no, they're not. They are not breaking the law. You guys are binding something, calling it a sin, but it's from you. That's not from God. God gave freedom to do those things. But there's other sides where God said, here's what you're supposed to do. And then they took it beyond that. Like um, that there, 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 there were certain washings that they were supposed to do. But they had set up these uh, boundaries to say, no, you've got to ceremonially wash your hands before you, before you eat. Matthew chapter 15. See, the Pharisees were adding or taking away from the Word of God. And, and so this was, this was dangerous, right? They're putting these burdens. That this is how you're supposed to live. You guys remember when um, Jesus told the paralyzed man, he said, get up and walk. Pick, take up your mat and walk. And the guy does. He picks up his mat and he starts walking home. And the Pharisees are like, hey, 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 you are sinning. You're not supposed to do any work. You're carrying your mat. You see, so they were binding and making these laws that were not there. They were accusing people of sin when it, when it actually wasn't there. You tie up these heavy burdens and you lay them on men's shoulders and they themselves were unwilling to even do it. Do as I say, but not as I do. So we've got to look at the warnings myself as a preacher but also the crowd that Jesus was talking to about following these, these guys. The second point that I want us to look at is to be aware of the attention seekers. This is what Jesus says in verses 5 through 10. Look at verse 5. Jesus says, they, remember these guys are still in the audience, these guys over here, they do all their deeds to be noticed by men. That's a very challenging thought. They do what they do. Why? To be noticed by people. 
this is something, guys, we all have to pay attention to. We all need to, to really look at ourselves and say, I like to help the poor. I like to go to church. I like to pray. I like to read. I like to try to represent Christ. But why? Why? Because if you're doing these things to get the attention of people, then you're doing it for the wrong reason. If you're doing it to glorify God, then it's for the right reason. You see, and that's why you guys go back to Matthew chapter 5. Let's go there real quick because this is so important. <clears throat> this is so important. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, I want you to see this balance that Jesus is showing us. You've got to look at all the scriptures. Look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. Jesus says, when he talks about you're the salt, you're the light, <clears throat> In verse 16, he says, so let your light shine. That's something you're doing. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. So wait, what? Jesus says, do good. Why? So that people can see all the good that you're doing. Let your light shine so they can see what you're doing. But that's not the end. He says that they may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father who is in heaven. So when they see your good works, who do they honor? God. Praise God that you came and helped me at this time. Praise God that you came in just the right nick of time. It's all about to the glory of God. Now go to chapter 6 and verse 1. <clears throat> this is the same sermon. Same sermon. Look at chapter 6 verse 1. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Do you guys see that balance? He's like, go out and do good. <laughs> go out and do good so that people can see your goodness. But let that goodness reflect the glory of God so they honor God. But if you're going out doing these good things so that I can have you pat me on the back. Did you see how I helped that person? I, I need you to pat me on the back. If that's the motivation, then it's wrong. You could do the right thing for the wrong reason. That's, that's the problem because there are people who, who are doing a lot of good things, but it may not be for the right reason. And I hope that you're not thinking of others like, yeah, that's what they do. This sermon is not about others. This sermon is about me. Am I the one who sometimes gets into these things? Because Jesus could read their hearts. That's why he, he, he could call them a hypocrite because he knew exactly what their motives were. You don't know people's motives. You don't know. So you can't say they're doing that just because they want to get recognized. How do you know? How do you know that? You see, they could be completely honest, but it may have come across as showy. It may have come across as like they're attention-seeking. But in reality, that they, they, they were just doing what they do. They were just trying to do good. You see, so we've got to be careful that we're not judging other people like why they do this or they don't do that. You don't know their intentions. You don't know their heart. 
So we have to be careful on, on some of that. So I highlighted verse 5 in my Bible. They do all their deeds to be noticed by men. And he gives a couple of examples. A couple of the examples that doesn't make sense to us sometimes, so I try to give a couple of pictures. It says they broaden their phylacteries. Um, ah, the picture is not too good, but if you look right here on his forehead, there's a box. There's like a box on his head. And in the Old Testament, it would say, Deuteronomy chapter 6, that you're supposed to put, write the word of God, write it on your head, write it on your hands, put it on your doorposts. And so they're like, okay, well, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So they would write little scriptures and put it in a box and they would put it on their head. That's what's up on top of his head is there's this box. Well, those phylacteries, you could make them small or since I'm a Pharisee, Man, I need to make this thing a big old thing, right? Big old box on my head so that you know that I know the scriptures, right? And so that big old box up here is to, to let everybody else know. And then they would tie it up on their, on their arms, have the scriptures on their arms. So if you saw me, you'd say, don't forget, I know the word. I am a teacher of the law. And so you would sort of have this. And then their tassels. So he says, "What? Is, go back again. They broaden their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels on their garments. So they would make sure that it was nice and long. Again, uh, something from the Old Testament that, hey, if God told me to put these, these kind of like, I don't know what you call it, robe type thing or, or like cords over you so that um, God said to put these tassels on my clothes. Well, if I'm a Pharisee, if I'm kind of a leader of the law, then I'm going to make mine even bigger, longer, right? And so that way everybody will know who I am. What's their motivation? To be recognized by people. Verse 6. <clears throat> I highlighted this one too. They love, they love the place of honor at banquets and they love the chief seats in the synagogues and they love the respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by people, by men. These are the things that they absolutely love. They would plan on it. You know, they would think about how to get the places of honor. You know, if I show up early enough, I'll kind of help set up, but I can also sit at the first place table. And then when I'm up there, I'll be the one who's allowed to speak, and I'll be the one who's kind of everybody looks and sees that, that I'm up there on the table. Right? A place of honor. And the greetings. Oh, it says they love the respectful greetings. If you guys have watched that show on The Chosen, people will, oh, Rabbi, Rabbi, you know, and people bow down to you and call you a certain name. Right? Makes you feel good, you know? Got to call me a certain name. I'm not saying that you can't be called names. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying if you're distinguishing out, that's the problem. 
he's going to explain this. Look at verse 8. Jesus says, Do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher. The word rabbi just means teacher. There's only one who's really the rabbi. That's Jesus. What does he say? You are all, you're all brethren. You're all brothers. See, this is, this is something that happens in the religious, in the denominational world. This is brother so-and-so. This is sister so-and-so. This is brother so-and-so. And this is preacher Josh. This is pastor so-and-so. This is elder so-and-so. Now what has happened? You distinguish. You say you distinguish it. And that's what happens in, in the world. Like, here's Joe, here's Johnny, here's Bobby, here's Susie, here's Dr. such and such. What did that just do? It distinguishes. I'm not saying that you, people can't be called doctors. That's not what this is talking about. Okay? But he says, as his followers, we are all brethren. And in the religious world, you have people calling them fathers, father such and such, bishop such and such, elder such and such, reverend such and such. Guess what all of those are? Titles, recognitions that, that you're elevating a certain person. And Jesus is like, no, 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 no. That's not, that's not what we're talking about here. You know, now, can we be called teacher? Yes. Can we be called a father? Yes. But when we're starting to, to, to make them as titles and, and recognitions, like Paul says that those people that I helped to convert and to teach, I was a father to them. But nowhere in the Bible does it say Father Paul. It doesn't say that. He's like, these are my brethren, but I'm like a father to them, right? I'm a father to my children. So can they call me father? Yes. Am I a teacher to those that I teach? Yes. But if we're separating that out, oh, this is, this is teacher, Josh. Then we start to distinguish. And if the motivation is recognition, because I like it that everybody else is called by their names, except for me. I get kind of that extra title on there, right? And this happens all the time. I was at a funeral one time and people were going around and introducing themselves and introducing the family and they introduced uh, Steve or something like that and he corrected the person, you know, because sometimes you're trying to get to tell everybody who they are. They're like, this is so, so and so. And it got to, to Steve and, and they called Steve by his name and went on and he like said, it's Dr. Steve. And it was like, whoa, you know, like, okay, you know, but he wanted to make sure that people were calling him by that. Again, no disrespect. If you have a doctorate, if you have all of those things, I'm not saying that, that in your profession that people will say this is Dr. So-and-so. That, that's okay. But what's your motivation, especially in the church, right? Especially in the church. This is why you see that uh, people will call them fathers you know, in, in, in um, especially the Catholic religion and some of these other places. So Jesus in verse 10 says, don't, don't be called these, these titles. Don't be called leader. And, you know, the only leader is, is Christ. So these are some of the, the areas that Jesus is calling out these, these Pharisees. So all that he's doing, remember, he's talking to the crowd 
and they are still right there. All that they do, they are planning on how to shine the light on themselves. If I can sit at the top table, if I can get called the right names, if I can wear the right clothes, that was their reasoning. That was their motivation. And Jesus is flat calling it out. He is saying, this is wrong. This is wrong. So as preachers, I'm speaking before you today that I pray that, that you will confront me, that I pray that I humble myself before you to say that I hope that what I do is not for the glory of you. Because there are preachers that they will preach or not preach based upon if it will give me more recognition from the audience. And I won't preach something because they might get upset with me. Is this a popularity contest or am I trying to preach the word of God? If I'm trying to please God first and foremost, then you may not like it. But hopefully my motivation is just to preach the truth. That's, that's, that's the warning that I'm taking for myself here. But the other part of it is, do you guys seek out those who are highly recognized? Because that's what happened in 1 Corinthians. They said, well, I was baptized by Peter. I was taught by Paul. Well, I was converted by Jesus. And so there sort of became this division of which one was more popular or better. You know, well, I was, I was actually taught by Jesus. So all of you guys here, you don't know what I know. I was actually taught by Jesus, you know. And so some were saying, well, I was taught by Peter. Peter was like Jesus' right-hand man. Paul was sort of a Johnny-come-lately guy. You know, you guys were taught by Paul. Like he's sort of secondary, you know. And that's how it happened. That's how it happened, and that's how we, we tend to work. So as, as people that are seeking, like, well, this preacher has this many followers, this preacher speaks at this, or this preacher has these titles, we have to, we have to be careful of what is it that we're truly seeking after. So what's the answer? My final point, Jesus' final point here, before he really calls them out, is in verse 11. If you go to verse 11... Jesus says, but the greatest, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Because he says, whoever exalts or lifts himself up, the one who is fighting and climbing and trying to get your recognition, the one who is doing that for themselves, that person God is going to humble and bring them down. But the person that voluntarily humbles themselves before others. Think of you as more important than myself. I try to serve you. I try to think of you. I'm trying to, to find ways of blessing and helping you so that God will be glorified. The one who humbles himself, God raises up. And this is why Jesus is one of his last sayings to these Pharisees. Because Jesus is about to completely humiliate himself. Stripped naked, whipped, made fun of, spit on, treated like trash, like the worst of the worst criminals. He's going to be humbled like no other. Doyle just got through reading it. He could have called thousands of angels 
and destroyed the world. He humbled himself. And because he did that, in Philippians chapter 2 it says, God raised him up and exalted him that there is no other name that is higher than Jesus Christ. Because he lowered himself lower than anybody had ever done or ever will be able to do. God became basically nothing. Treated as nothing. People spit on you. That's to show the most degrading way of humiliating you. Make fun of you. Oh, you're a king? Oh, here's a crown for you. They humiliated him. He was humbled to no other. But because of that, it says that God raised him up to where now everything in heaven and on earth and under the earth, the cherubim, the angels, and every heavenly being bows down to Jesus Christ. He is exalted above all others. And do you know what he's telling us to do? Humble yourself. But that's not easy. That is not easy. Because I want the recognition. I want people to, to always come up to me. I want to be the one who gets all the likes on social media. I want to be the one that people are paying attention to me. I want, I want, I need, I, get me some more light here. Not paying attention to me. Don't little kids do that? Ah, <laughs> uh, you know, ah, uh, you know, they're not getting, ah, uh, get even louder and louder because like you got to pay attention to me. We do that to, to the world. We're like somehow I got to get your attention. Guys, the solution to this is to humble yourself. Why would Jesus call out these Pharisees so harshly? Because their evil needed to be exposed. It was evil. Number two, because he was trying to, those influenced by them, the crowds, they're influenced by them, they needed to see who they were really following. He needed to let this group know the realities of this group. And number three, the Pharisees, he was hoping, were going to repent. He was hoping they would repent. Remember, just a little after this, he says, like a, like a hen tries to gather in her chicks. That's what I'm trying to do to you guys, but you continue to refuse. That's, that's the message that Jesus is bringing. It's not about me. And you know, the first step of becoming a Christian to die to self is he says, once you believe that I died for you, once you believe that, now I'm telling you to turn away from your old self. You die to your old self. Now it's all about Jesus. That right there is called repentance. And he says, now that you're ready to die to yourself, I'm going to show you that you need to be buried in water. There, there's that dying. You get buried in the water and then it says you're resurrected to a new life where Jesus is the one who shines all the light on me. He's the one who gets all the attention now. It's not about me. It's all about Christ. I'm just his slave. Slave doesn't go around saying, hey, master, master, I need more attention. Be like, you're a slave. You're a slave. What, what do you deserve if you're a slave? Nothing. We are choosing to be a slave of Jesus Christ when you make that decision. And as Christians, once we come up out of that new water, sometimes we forget our place. He's king. 
I'm the slave. It's not about me. It's all about him. If you need to make things right today, let's do it right now. We've got a song picked out. If you need to come forward, we can pray with you. Let us help you. I hope that this has been encouraging. Together we stand and sing.